All right. Glory to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. This is Deacon Basil with the Eparchy of Phoenix. This is our class one of six, I believe, for the introduction to Eastern spirituality. Our presenter for this class will be Father Joseph Stanichar, who is the hegumen of the Dukovny Dom Monastery. Um, and Father has a very intricate CV that uh, I uh, would not do justice to. So Father, if you would go ahead and just introduce yourselves um, uh, and then begin. But if you would lead us in prayer first, that would be lovely. Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, you are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of blessing and river of life. Come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stains. And save our souls, O gracious Lord. Praise be Jesus Christ. Forever. Uh, I come to you from the scenic Walla Walla Valley, where our monastery is up in the Blue Mountains, a gorgeous spot. And am I speaking to you from a, a coffee house? We're getting very, it's a Catholic outreach. And we're getting very, you know, hopeful of many, many converts in this place where there's not many, but many, many Byzantine Catholics will be here in a short time, I assure you, because the spirit is working. My topic is uh, Eastern Christian spirituality, but this evening I want to take some time to talk about you and me, our condition, okay? And uh, first of all, uh, we learn everything we need to know about our condition in the book of Genesis, the Old Testament. So God made us, and we were like a wooden toy. We were broken by original sin. But he loves us. And he decided to send his son to make us whole. Now, what does it mean to be made whole? Well, first of all, you know, God made us in his own image. And the fathers of the church spent a lot of time on that, you know, Cyril, Jerusalem, Irenaeus, all those people. And I'm going to just sort of plagiarize from them a little bit and say to you this. God made us body, soul, and divinity. But he gave us freedom. And we did not cooperate fully with his redemptive, saving, deifying plan. So we had to redo that plan. In doing that, he sent his son. Nothing happens without the Holy Trinity. We are Catholics. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no other God. He's the only one that has the real plan to save us. So when I've said that, I'm saying that theology is mystical. What I mean by mystical is not a mystery story or something we can't understand, because it's revealed to us what we have to understand. What we do not have to understand is not revealed to us. But first of all, I want to talk about you a little more. When God made you, he gave you a body and a soul. Your body is what you think about most of the time, unfortunately, because it is a corrupting influence. It's sick all the time and it distracts you from prayer. And then it has the terrible notion to get old and fall apart <coughs> with no response from you or permission. <laughs> That's the divine design. That's because of the fall. But this body is magnificent in many other ways. We have a mind and a heart, the ability to love. And I like to say this about our faith. It's a love affair. Now, everybody loves a lover, don't you? Yes. But you think of Hollywood and all that carrying on. Well, that's sort of a waste of time. You have to be a lover to God, his divine son, and the blessing and the embrace of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're here for, to experience the embrace of the Holy Spirit. 
<clears throat> Seraphim Asarov, great Russian saint, seer, someone that told us what was going to be. He said, we are here to acquire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say about that, that we acquire all these gifts because all three persons in the Holy Trinity are acting in concert together. Circumchoresis. What does that mean? Well, it means that God has a heart of love for us. He also likes himself. I'm glad he likes himself. And he likes the Son. He likes the Holy Spirit. And there is inside of God this great, beautiful, dynamic, filled energy relationship that's constant in God. It's a mystery. But somehow we have to be plunked into that. Now, let us move a little bit about, we know we have a body and a soul. Well, we won't talk too much about the body. Later on, I'll say a lot about it. You're not going to want to hear it. But get used to it. You need to hear it. But right now, I want to talk about the soul. You know, uh, once in a while, I go somewhere like down to Phoenix for a retreat or a meeting. I love those, to be with my brother priest and see everybody. See how things are going. And they used to have, you know, now they have things you point and you take a, you have a dial on the uh, door of the hotel, you push the buttons and you get in. But years ago, they used to give you a card. Before that, you actually had keys. I'm that old. Now, anyway, you take that card and you push it in. A light comes on, you open the door. You pull that card out. Nothing happens. It's like your soul. The soul is the form of the body. Everything. It's not in your pituitary gland like those people in the Middle Ages thought. It's contiguous with your body. So it's in your little finger. It's in your ears. It's in your teeth. Unfortunately, sometimes it hurts, huh? It hurts. You know, you can't trust a lawyer, a dentist, or your banker. <laughs> It's terrible what we got to live with. This, But the soul is our most important treasure. None of those other things that we tried to value. The soul is the source of life, light, energy, and love. So the soul has faculties. So I got to get a little uh, fancy with you. We have a noetic soul. The nous uh, in, in Greek means the mind, but that's not accurate. It's the principle, the intellectual principle by which we recognize the revelation of God. We fall in love with that. And in the soul, it falls into the heart. And then you're on your way to being a saint. Then you're really something. Then you're fulfilling your potential. Now, I have to back up a little bit to this mystical theology we're talking about, okay? This God of ours, he has two types of energy. Gregory Palamas taught us that, but it's mentioned in the early church, too. Athanasius, you know, he says grace is like you take an iron bar, you set it in the fire, it warms up. And the, the, the iron is iron and the fire is fire, but there's heat. Changes the whole whereabouts of that bar of iron, what it can do with it. Now, we're something like that. We either live in God's energies or we don't. We call it grace. So there's two types of grace. One is creative grace that God made the world. It's material, it's our body, it's the plants and everything. And, you know, we have ecology these days. God has got his mind to destroy everything because he wants to make it new. Some people talk about the second coming and all that stuff. There's second coming for everybody every day that dies. You know, they got to meet the master. Now, anyway, this energy is deifying energy, is holiness. So it's actually a product of the interior life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and comes and dwells in the person, makes that person a man or a woman. 
then you're complete. Without that, you are not really real. And you have a future. Your future starts on Earth. I just read a book about the two-level universe that, you know, in the Western way of thinking, you know, God's up there on a cloud making cartoons to entertain us or getting <laughs> mad or making wars or whatever he does, you know, listening to the angels sing in choir. It's not like that at all. He's imminently with us. And he's with the whole world. There's only one world, God's world, and has no up there and down here. We're all together. Angels, saints, and men. It may be a little messy, but it's magnificent to behold. Sometime you go to the church, you look at the iconostas and the church itself. Look at us, icons everywhere. Beautiful things to look at. It's the hierarchy. It's the new created world. It's heaven on earth. And that's where you're going to go when you fall apart. Your body doesn't work anymore. The soul is too good to leave in the slot. God pulls it out. You're going to go to heaven. If you got the energies, baby. If you got the divine energies. That love that pushes a man to live the gospel. Embrace Christ. Love the church. Sacrifice. Fast. Pray. And give money to the gospel. I'm into the monastery. You know about that. Now, <laughs> now let's go on here a little bit about this mystical theology, okay? The tradition of the Eastern Church gives us a variety of saints. Monks, priests, laymen, married people. Living in the world in the way of a union with the dynamic God. I just read something beautiful in Athanasius the other day. Athanasius was sort of having some undigested cheese. He was having a dream, a vision. And uh, he saw the Blessed Virgin Mary entering into the heavenly kingdom. And she was going in procession. So anyway, who was in the procession with the mother of God in his dream, his vision? First of all, the ascetics, the monks who live the angelic life, which is a life of praise. And secondly, married people who are continent and kept the marriage sacred. This was the next group. Isn't that nice to know? Now getting back to the, instead of talking about all the war stories, let's get back to our subject a minute now. How is it possible for this fallen creature to gain a heavenly life. There's a certain mystical individualism in the church. You don't use your identity. We're not pantheists. We don't think God is everywhere raising the rocks or something. God is only in the Holy Trinity and in his energies. Creative energies and deifying energies. But he has predestined us to be justified. So that Western Council, the Council of Trent said that um, Adam was created in original justice, which means he was created in grace. But of course he lost all that. It's like, you know, it's sort of a sad story. Your dad had a million dollars. You didn't know about it. He had two million, I mean five. But he was a gambler. And he went to the track and he blew it on the ponies. And he came home, his kids, he says, well, we have no bread tonight to eat because I lost all our money. A million dollars, five million, how could you lose? Well, I put it on the horses. And instead of being, being threatened by death by his wife, I think he ran out of the house quicker. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, the point is this, our fortune, our divinization was lost in the original fall. And now we must cooperate with the new creation, Jesus Christ. That's why he became a man, to make the new Adam. And in this course, you're going to learn, please God, how you're going to participate in that, that mystical body of Christ. You, with the new body. So I was in England, you know, I, I was in service a long time. And I was playing the Norfolk Symphony Orchestra. I used to be a violinist. Now I 
play the violin in case there's bugs in the house to get rid of them. But anyway, uh, there was a, and, and you know, I have no idea about how lovely England is. It's a gorgeous place. I enjoyed all of it. And so I played in this orchestra, and they would three days a, a year, they would get together and play the repertoire they were going to play in the new season. So anyway, we were there, and you know, the conductor, he's got his baton in his hand. It's the middle of a measure of music. It's time for tea. He drops the baton. Not even goes to the end of the measure. I couldn't used to in America. At least we get to the end of the measure. You know what I mean? And we'd go for tea and, and cakes. Or not cakes. Uh, little cookies is what they were. But they, they don't call them cookies. So anyway, I sit down with this lady. She was an older person. And she played the cello. And we were doing some. We used to do extra things. Duets and things just for fun. And she says to me. She says, Reverend. She says, I, was, I went to, to, ch to church last Sunday. I said, well, that's a good thing. She was an Anglican, probably. She says, you know, he talked about the creed. I said, the creed? Yes, he says, but I'm very discouraged. He says, we're going to rise from the dead. I said, what's wrong with that? That's the good news. She says, did you take a good look at me? Who the hell wants to get up in the condition I'm in? <laughs> so I said, well, I says, I think you misunderstand. You're going to be gorgeous in 30. You're going to really love it when you get up again. You're going to be beautiful, lovely, the sight of God, and filled with those divine energies we talk about. The mystical renewal of what was lost in the garden returns to us in the mystical life of being part of the body of Christ. There's a lot more to know about the body of Christ. We'll get around to that now. So anyway, if I can, you'll let me put my glasses on because they also have to be renewed. Uh, we must conform to the image of Christ to get the promise of the predestination. And that is Romans 8, 29 through 30. This individual mysticism. Although we live in a procession on our way to heaven on earth, we are still individuals. We still have a free will. We still have that ability to cooperate and not cooperate. But don't be foolish. Cooperate. Learn to live asceticism. And we'll talk about that later on. Now, how do we know all this? We have a deposit of faith. It's uh, called tradition. It's contained in the Bible, the apostolic tradition. It's contained in the teaching of the fathers. Wonderful stuff. And it's contained in the sacred liturgy. You know, one of the problems about you beautiful people out there, you don't go to matins. You don't hear the canons. You miss about 90% of the, of the faith. You don't hear it preached to you from the mouth of great theologians who sang it and gave it to us. That's the one thing I lamented all my life as a priest. And the, finally, what I had to do when I retired was to get out of retirement. I didn't want to sit there and become a mushroom. I opened the monastery. And every day I hear all this gorgeous stuff that I should have been hearing all my life. I mean, these beautiful canons and singing and praising God. And you become filled. And you learn, why, why, why didn't I know that? Then I, I listen to the lives of the saints. We lead the, every day we lead the lexicon. And we have spiritual reading now each day too. And I become filled. Then I sit around and ponder. I don't meditate. That's too much work. I ponder on the word of God and the lives of the saints. Like Mary said, she pondered. That's Luke's gospel. You can look it up. These are the sources to feed the spiritual life, the sacred liturgy, the preaching of the fathers, the councils, the music in the church, the beautiful melody of theology. So you want to take care of your soul. You want to grow. You want to go to heaven. I know you do because there's no place else to go that's worthwhile, let's face it. You're just spinning your wheels if you think you're going to have a good time here. The older you get, the less good time you have. 
you fall apart from the inside out, you know. But the soul, the beautiful, in that soul, now listen to me, in the soul, there is a throne in your heart. <coughs> and on that throne, there sets the energies of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you know, you still got some energies because you're baptized, chrismated, and you get the Holy Eucharist. Well, it may be just a spark, but don't don't give up. But you want to do those things to enkindle that fire of divine love in you. By doing these sources of spirituality and development, spiritual development, that are given to us by this magnificently rich Byzantine Catholic Church. It's a storehouse of wealth. No, we're too busy. We got to go throw the cat out and, you know, whatever you're doing, make money. Money won't help you. I will if you give it to a monster. I understand that. But money won't help you. <laughs> you can't buy your way into heaven. Except grace makes you beautiful. Divine energies of God make you lovely. They make you happy. The throne of your heart burns with love. You get tears and you're purified. They're not nice. You're being purified. And the deeper in love you become with God, the sadder it is because you want more. More. I want more. You're like the kid in the candy store. He gives you a little bit, you want more. And then he takes it away. But what am I supposed to do? Read the books. Say the prayers. Study. Ponder. Go to the sacred liturgy. Listen to that poor priest. And he's up there, he's singing mans all by himself in three, uh, three canters and one cat, you know. Well, I hope the cat can sing a little. Anyway, he's teaching you by the celebration of those services. That's probably the richest part of the monastery is listening to the liturgical texts. And that's how I grow. Now the parish priest, we pray for him because... He's got to take care of you sidewinders out there. He hasn't got much time. He's going to anoint this one. It took him three hours over there to get anointed somebody. He's got to come home. He's got to be there for the services. He's worn out already. He's going to be, a, they're going to be saints because of what they do. But if you pray for him and attend the services, you're going to learn a lot about him, what he picks to pray with you. You had a, a, a little group of prayer group in the parish would be great just to get together and pray those services. Maybe you can't do everything, but you could do a heck of a lot more than you're doing now. I was a parish priest for almost 40 years, huh? And a military chaplain for 23 years. I know about you rascals, right? You can't fool me. I want you to be loved deeply in your heart with God. I want you to fall in love until it hurts. So this is what is said in Romans. I don't know if St. Paul said it exactly that way, but he tells us that we become justified through this apostolic deposit of faith, which is filled with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the New Testament is important. I recommend the Orthodox Study Bible. Why? It has patristic commentary in it that will help you understand. Those other Bibles... Forget it. It also fits our liturgy. Helps you to learn the liturgy. And it has some pretty good articles. Not completely the best, but some pretty good articles you'll learn. And all those things help. You need a prayer book. You need a psalter. You need to give God everyday time. Quality time for God every day to pray. I remember when I was a military, I met an Orthodox priest. He offered me a lot of things, you know. He says, well, so why don't you become Orthodox? He says, then I can have a wife. I says, I says, I avoided that issue years ago. I said, when I became a priest, I says, I said, they're quite a distraction, you know. Not to say that they don't for the purpose, you know, but, uh, you know, I says, I, I could add a new parish, a wife, and, you know, maybe 10 pounds of gold. I don't know. Uh, that's not the point, is it? The point is married, single, celibate or not, how are you serving your vocation? How are you to be 
the saint that God is calling you to. All those other things sooner or later pass away. There's this you in the Holy Trinity in love. Now let me go on here. So these writings of the New Testament and the Fathers, the Fathers fill out a lot of what is uh, not contained in the New Testament. We, ch we cherish what we have in the New Testament. And we do not follow the interpretation of the New Testament from the so-called modern scholars. They're idiots. They, they are blasphemy against the New Testament. But we follow our teaching of our fathers in the faith. John Chrysostom has given us five volumes of commentary on the New Testament. It's treasure. It's just as contemporary as anything we have. It's wonderful. But if you don't sit and read the fathers and ponder, how can you be formed? And without that formation, you go to church, that's wonderful. You go to the liturgy, you say your morning prayers, your evening prayer, that's nice. It's not enough. You are called to sanctity, holiness, to the mystical life. So these are the resources that we talk about. Now, we must stand firm and hold to the traditions which the fathers and the early church have given us and not have, as Paul says, itching ears and go find up somebody else that's going to be better. There's nothing better. Don't walk out of the church because the priest didn't look at you the right way. Stay there and stick your tongue at him, whatever. Stay there and learn from that little church. Learn from those sacred texts they're handing you. Learn from the deposit of faith that's around you. Stand before an icon and let it talk to you. There is a saint in there. Like there's one in you. Wonderful. So this tradition, you must... My name is Stanechar, by the way. It means one who takes his place and keeps it. It's not a pretty good model. I just inherited that name from the family, but I like it. And today's the Feast of the Holy Angels. My second uh, name is Michael. I like that, too. And my first name is Joseph. I was just blessed all the way around, you know, and I love it. It's wonderful. Now, what it says in uh, Thessalonians 2.15, 1 Corinthians 11.2, 2 Timothy 1.13, 14.2, and 2 John 12, it says that, we must stand firm by the letter that we've been taught by the apostles. How do we know it comes from the apostles? Read the creed, the Nicene Creed. The apostles, the apostolic church, just 325, just a few years after everybody went to heaven, reformulated it in one little formula so that we could have something to hold on to so we won't get fouled up. I don't want to know what you think about the Trinity. I want to know what the Trinity has revealed to us to know about him. We did not discover God. He made us and he reveals himself to us. And in that revelation, we find our salvation, joy, happiness, and peace. Very important. Now, in the writing of the fathers, there's also the dogmatic truths of the church. With their they, they use the fathers and other sources, and they try to uh, form us. The dogmata of the sermons which are kept in the church. And they're very important, especially those that come from the apostolic tradition. And in these things, we find the mystery. St. Basil the Great wrote a beautiful homily concerning the Holy Spirit. He says to us, the Holy Spirit is the essence of the encounter of knowledge. What a pleasure. I don't know what all that means, but it's important. It's also written in the eighth canon of the seventh ecumenical council, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Well, if he's what is Jesus? Isn't he our teacher? Yes. But Jesus is the great high priest. 
what he is is what we're becoming by being incorporated into him through his sacramental touch. Every sacrament is Jesus putting his hand down out. And he's got those energies, you know, that grace, that divine energies, and he's zapping you. He's making you something new, recreation. Destined for heaven, a lover on earth. Wonderful. Now, so that this tradition is the carrier of grace, divine energies, and is formulated for us that we can, we, you know, and we should be faithful to that. We should not go out. So these ecumenical synods, especially the first seven, are the foundation of our mystical theology and the dogmatica of the church. And we must use this to have an experience of tradition of living and loving in the mystery which God is, the mysterion theology, which is for your heart. Now we uh, have some technical things to discuss too. Uh, the writings of the Dionysius the Areopagite, they're the real source of a lot of mystical theology in the Eastern Christian experience and in the Western too, but they sort of, uh, you know, they talking about he was an apostle of Paul and you Paul you know Paul says he saw the three heavens the father saying what the three heavens are the first heaven is self-discipline ascesis the second is your will and the will of God are one the third is spiritual marriage mystical marriage by divine energies Boy, are you destined for a good time. Now, let me go on a little bit more. These things that we know about God, the Europeans' writings tells us that, and later writers in, in the church, too, we don't have six months here, you know, are cataphatic. Right? They tell us sometimes what God is, and apophatic, sometimes they tell us what God is not. Most of the time, Eastern theology, they're telling you what God is not, so you can discover what he is. Now, isn't that sort of difficult? It's a difficult idea. But what we know, the unknowable, because he has revealed himself to us. The fundamental characteristic of our theological tradition, the Eastern Church, affirms that God is not an object perception. He's not an intellectual construct. He's not somebody hiding on a cloud, but a union, someone we must experience by our heart. We must fall in love with God. And the revelation, everything gives us to bring us to that love. That's the union. It's not a silent union. Maybe a word is not said. God's affirmed by affirmation in our hearts and denial of all those things that are not God. So we have all sorts of definitions of Catholic tradition. You know, we have Western Catholicism, Eastern Catholicism, and all sorts of things in between with different theologians and Thomists and Thomas Aquinas and all these people. They're basically philosophers. And they take theology, the datum of revelation, and they make it into a system. Well, it has its attractive points, but it's not God. Our affirmation of God is within our own hearts and in the beauty of the mystical experience of our church, which we experience. You know, if you get mad at God, tell him off. He's going to answer you. He's going to say, I'm doing the best I could. I invited you to the party, but damn it, you don't want to cooperate. It's a wonderful thing, God. It's wonderful. Now, so this incomprehensibility, some people tell me, Father, my whole life has been incomprehensible. I believe that because they looked in the wrong directions. 
my whole life has been, uh, I think, a party. I think I've been, it's had, sometimes it's rough. It's been difficult. I found in four churches. I found lovely people and some people that were hard to get through. The, they're stone brains. Some people don't even love themselves. To love yourself, you first have to love God. Then you know what he's given you. Then you can really love him. You can be like, even though I die, I live. Because you're on your way to the glory of the kingdom. And you're going to live. I assure you. Now this journey is one of purification. Okay? And liberation from creatures, temptations, Hollywood, food, booze, is an ascent to the living God. That's what you're here to do. Very important to realize that. Now, there is no really mystical theology apart from union with God. It's necessary to become the new man or the new woman. Deification is the only way to live with the living God, and then he will, he will reveal himself to you. Ascent is a ladder, a ladder of theophanies, like we have by Jesus and the Feast of the Transfiguration. He gets up there, Peter, James, and John, and all this beautiful energy flows out of him, all this light. And then we know who he is. You know, there was the monk. He was out in the desert. And uh, some other people come out there, and they want to know what it's like to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, this sort of flustered him. He didn't know how to put into words what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he clicked his fingers and fire came out of him. And they didn't say anything more. They knew that happened to the apostles and all these people, but there's going to be fire in you too. This epiphatic theology, knowing God by experience, not defining him, knowing God by the revelation and the liturgy and the experience of the church, by the touch of Christ in the sacraments, this concept is the spiritual reality of the church. The unknowable gift of, to Christians is not an impersonal God of the philosophers. It is in union that we move and breathe and have our being and he reveals himself to us. And that's the Apostle Paul. It's nothing new. But somebody's got to tell it to us every once in a while because we forget. So what is the greatest mystery in your life it's you do you know who you are do you know where you're going are you giving quality time to that pondering how am i going to inform that pondering by listening to the voice of god in my heart don't worry about your sins. Everybody's turned. I'll talk about sin later on. I know the formula to get away of sins. You get so damn old you can't sin anymore. Oh, don't. That's not the only formula. I know a better one now. I know a better one. That'll help you young guys out too. No big one, you ladies. Huh? But if you fall in love with something, you can't sin. If you say the Jesus prayer, you can't sin. Because you don't want to hurt the thing you love. So if we sin, we hate ourselves, and we don't love God. Or you say, well, I do love God. I say, sure you do. Then what's Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Later on, we'll talk about the meaning of the cross in life. It's a glorious thing. So this mystery that you are, this mysterious God that you're going to be in love with and you are in love with, it's like a wedding. It's for all eternity. So when the monk is made 
we had a solemn profession, the first one in our monastery. It was wonderful. I was all excited. And the monk came in all dressed in white, barefooted, long hair flowing everywhere. The bishop tonsured him. It was a wedding. He gave his soul and his body to God. How many people can say that they do that in marriage? Well, they do, but with reservations if they can get what they want out of it. I talk to people that come for counseling. Not so much anymore, thank God. It wears you out. They really talk about themselves. They don't talk about the person they love or the about God, who they should be deeply in love with. It's a glorious thing to see a monk living a monastic life because his whole dedication is to the marriage, his whole body. He wears the small scapular from the beginning, and on it is the crucifix. And on the back of it is embroidery. I bear in my body the, the, the cross of Christ. So we have to learn the meaning of the cross in life. It's a glorious thing. It makes us beautiful. But we'll do more about that later on. So this is just an introductory lecture. Uh, I hope to clarify a lot of things as we go along. And I'll probably repeat a lot of things. I'll tell you a lot of stories because I'm full of stories. I have all sorts of notes here. We won't make it. <laughs> it's too much. But I'll try to give you a little food for thought and love. That you can become that person God made you to be without fear, without love, without fear of anything. Knowing that above all, God loves you and he's welcoming you to his presence. I think we have questions now. Thank you. Yes, Father. Um our first question actually comes from me. Um, so you said to have a Psalter. Um, what Psalter would you recommend? What, uh, where could we get these liturgical books for our reflection? Well, I gave you a book list. Psalters are oh. a problem because we don't have adequate Psalters. We use one that's sort of out of print. But there's one in, uh, some of the Orthodox have one. And get one that's based on the Septuagint. They have a pocket Psalter. You can put that in your pocket. And you're walking around or what you're doing during the day or you got a few minutes. Take your Psalter out and read the Psalms. That's the prayer book of the church, really, the Psalter. Uh, there's another one out, uh... I think I saw one in the catalog today. And next week, we'll give you a list. But it's a problem. Our Ruthenian church uses various Psalters. And unfortunately, there should be a Psalter in every temple, every church you go into. When you go to visit the temple, you're supposed to go in and pick up the Psalter and pray for the dead. That's one of the things you're supposed to do as a Byzantine Catholic. I'm afraid we pray for the dead, but we don't always read the Psalms. Now, some nuns, they'll, you can send them an offering, and they'll say the Psalter for your deceased person. And you know, at a funeral, they're supposed to say the Psalter for the deceased person. It's liturgical, it's the proper thing to do. The Psalter is another epitome of salvation history. Everything's in there. So, I can't tell you exactly. Now, the Orthodox Bible has a Psalter in it. The uh, Jesuits put out a Bible. The little pocket Bible has a Psalter in it. Prince too small. Uh, there are several around. I, as long as they're based on the Septuagint, I think they're pretty good. Wonderful. What about some of the other liturgies, you know, matins? I mean, many people, uh, many parishes aren't able to offer matins on a regular basis. Um, and many people aren't able to make it to matins if it is being offered or all of the other liturgies. Do you have any recommendations for, for that situation? Well, I'll tell you, it's just like this. If it's important, you'll make time. And you should make time to go to the offices in the church because your eternal salvation depends on it. Gone. Yeah. You know, it's very important. 
you know, kind of the development, how, how do you see the Jesus prayer kind of uh, playing into this, this development of, of, uh, of spirituality? Well, when I talk to you about Hezekiah, the prayer of silence, I will talk to you also about the Jesus prayer. Wonderful. And uh, once you learn the prayer and how to employ it, you will have your own experience. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know. But if you don't do it, you won't have the experience. Yeah. So the Jesus prayer is revealed to us by God. It's the foundation of much time in the monastery during the day when they're working or whatever they're doing. And uh, I think, I always tell people in confession, if they're in temptation, say the Jesus prayer, because you can't sin and say the Jesus prayer. God will come and embrace you. You can't sleep at night, say the Jesus prayer. Mm. Hold on to the cross, the key to glory. Say the Jesus prayer. Right. If you can't do anything else, say the Jesus prayer. Be confident in the power of the Savior in this beautiful prayer he has given us. But yeah. we'll have a conference on that. Perfect. Um, Peter would like to know, Father, um, that he's heard that uh, to pray the Psalter out loud, uh, is it proper uh, in certain situations to pray it silently, though? Well, I don't like that. You should say it out loud. You can move your lips and not uh, say too loud or mutter it to yourself, but you should say it. You should give God the voice of your prayer, the the fruit of your lips. So you can say it to yourself, uh, but read the read each word as you say the Psalter. No office should be read like a book. All of them should be said orally. That's the tradition. And that's how you get something out of it. You're supposed to use all your senses to worship God. Could you say a little bit more about uh, the divine energies uh, and how, uh, how we should go about imagining them, is the question? You shouldn't imagine them. You should experience them. <laughs> so what you're going to try to do is you're trying to corner the market for yourself. So, yeah. if you, if, for example, if you approach the Holy Eucharist, you receive the body and blood of the Lord, the Holy Trinity is there. If the Father is there, and the Son is there, and the Holy Spirit is there in their energies. When you get go to the Holy Eucharist, don't run out of the church. Like you had to go out and get the last donut. Sit there and go inside yourself and look at the throne quietly and talk to God until you have nothing to say and then just experience God on the throne of your heart through the gift of the Holy Eucharist. I think that's probably the easiest one to do. Mm. You know, but as you train yourself in prayer, these experiences become not habitual, but more frequent. And then you'll know God is with you. We say that all the time, God is with you. But you have to, you have to, you have to develop the whole mystique and the whole ethos to have the experience. Got it? Yes. yes. Okay. Father, you've, you've spoken about uh, matins and vespers. Um, and where can these uh, liturgical books be purchased uh, or found? Uh, where, can, where can people get their hands on these for reflection? Well, I, I think that uh, there are books that have parts of all those services. The best thing you can do is become a monk. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, uh, there are books available. Uh, sometimes the translations aren't the best. Uh, hopefully we will have out a new uh, 
book with all the offices in it. But the problem with that is you need a lending library even to get all the canons and everything. But there yeah. are certain selections. And I know the pastors in our eparchy, great, great feast days, they will give you selections of these things. I know some of the sisters that had to put a book out, but it's pretty good. But it doesn't have everything that, you know, they can't do everything. It's a wonderful thing. But the prayer books are not sufficient. But some, I looked at a prayer book today. It had the little hours. So, for example, if you take the little hours, take prime, for example, for your morning prayers, so only three psalms and a few prayers, do the reading for the day, the gospel and the epistle, uh, do the readings of the lives of the saints, uh, read the books about who we are and what we are in our spiritual life. That's a lot of resources for you to develop yeah. your ethos of your prayer life. And your yeah. confessor, your spiritual father, whoever it is, they can help you in these things because they have walked the walk. And they've done it for years. But don't stop. Continue. Yeah. Receive the challenge and keep it up. And I hope gradually we will have better resources for everybody. We're hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the Ukrainians may have a, a, a large book with a lot of things in it. And that press yeah. that's run by Feigl, he has some resources too. They're around. You have to work a little. Um, Father, it sounds like there's some confusion about the difference between theosis and the divine energies. Can you speak about that? I, I know that there's going to be topics about this, but can you just clarify that just a little bit? The divine energies are the product of theosis. Divine energies are the physical force or the spiritual force, the grace. The process is, as we see divine, is, is uh, the other word. It's like a, it's like a noun. See, so you have to be divinized, and we by divinized you receive the divine energies, which are a product of the interior life of the Holy Trinity. They come mm. to a man or woman and make them a throne of God's grace. That's what mm. it's about, theosis. Okay. Thank you. It's the word itself is great. It's theosis. God, osis is process, huh? Theosis. Thank you. Um, Father, can you speak about how we should venerate uh, or approach an icon? Um, there's some confusion about, okay, standing, kissing. What what exactly does that look like uh, with, a, with uh, the veneration of an icon? The veneration of an icon is like, one of your best friends. When you go up to your best friend, how do you talk to him? If you love that person, you give him a kiss. Stand there and you talk to him. You talk to the presence in the icon, which is there because of the divine energies. So the saint is in his icon. So talk to him. I remember the story about St. Seraphim, he was in church serving as a deacon, and he was sending the litany or something in the liturgy, and all of a sudden our Lord walked into the church and got back in his icon. I don't know where he'd been. And St. Uh, uh, Seraphim went into a meditation, and they had to pick him up and take him and put him behind the holy table, let him there until he got over it. So, you know, so when you, you have icons, they're not decorations. They're consecrated by the church. Some of them have relics in them. We believe in the residual grace of the life of the saint as present in that icon. They're not idols. They're like they say, windows on eternity. They're more than that. They're the presence of that saint so when you go there, stand there, talk to them, bless yourself, kiss them. You know, some people lost their parents. I lost my parents and my, my treasures, my mother and father. I have pictures of them. I don't 
but I feel very close to them. And I wouldn't hesitate to pick up a picture of my mother, give a little, give a little kiss. A lot of fellas, they lost their wife. They got a picture there. Big thing about children, you lose a child, very great tragedy. Been in Houses Blessing where there's a shrine to that little child. They're with us. They're not up there and down there. There's only one world, God's world, and we live with the saints. They move and have our being in the Holy Spirit and in the lives of the saints. They're with us. So I might tell you from my Slovak grandmother, uh, she used to tell me all sorts of stories about the old country and the saints. And it seems like they had a miracle in every corner and a well and everything like that. So I said to my aunt, Margaret, I says, how come they got all these miracles and saints over there in, in the old country and we don't have anything here? Well, we might have something here. She says to me, don't be foolish, Joe. Those people have been Christian for a thousand years. We're hardly Christian at all. Why would the saints bother with us? So you have to court the saints and they'll do wonderful things for you because you share their love with them, the Holy Trinity. Wonderful. Father, could you, uh, just as our, our last question, um, you know, tonight is the election and I'm sure everybody is looking over at the, <laughs> the results as we speak. Regardless of what happens, somebody's going to be uh, upset and nervous and, and shaken, um, especially this time around. Can you just maybe speak about um, peace or maybe can, can you offer me some peace <laughs> um, regardless of what happens tonight? Can, can you speak to that about how to maintain interior peace around this? I'm going to tell you something you had to learn from your mother, your father, somebody in Slavonic. Shetsko naruki boja. Everything is God's hands. If we get who we don't want, he's punishing us. If we get who he, we want, he's punishing us anyway. <laughs> the whole thing is a mess. Yeah. So no matter who comes in there, God help them. But the moral life of the nation is declining radically. They kill babies. And God, a baby is God's last yes to life. How can anything happy happen here when we kill our own people? Mm. What do you expect? Anything good? We have to have a moral reform and a restoration of our democracy. The cardinal that died in, if I can remember what he said in Chicago, who was it, brother? It was. He can't remember, but anyway, he said, he says, he was dying of cancer. He says, my, my successor will die in. He said he will die in his bed. He'll die in his bed. But his predecessor. His predecessor, his successor will die in prison. Yeah, another one. And the third one will be killed. That's the situation the Catholic Church is in. We're under persecution. And I don't want to go into much detail of that. But we've always been under persecution, and it's a good thing, because maybe people will learn to pray and put their hand in the hand of our blessed Trinity, the Holy Theotokos, and the saints. There's your hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Father, thank you so much. This was incredible. Um, and... Uh, as a reminder for those of you that uh, were listening, um, Father is too humble to say it, but I will say it, that a monastery takes an awful lot of money, and uh, I think we need to be supporting this. Father, where can we send checks to? You can send them uh, to uh, the monastery itself. I'll get Brother to give you the address. Brother, tell them the address. The address is 57894. Highway 204, Weston, Oregon, 97886. And if you'd like to call and just say hello, it's 541-969-6543. We'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. God bless you, and thank you for listening thank to you. me. I love to talk about what I love. God bless you. God bless. Thank you so much, Father. Could you close us in prayer? Yes. Thank you.
rejoice, O Virgin, Theotokos, Mary full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, for you have borne Christ the Savior and Redeemer of our soul. Thank you so much, Father. God bless you.